Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, how are we doing? Hey, Adam. Fun to be with you. Going to be a great episode today. We've got uh, with us Scott Kadersha, who is a mutual friend, uh, been a ministry partner for a really long time. Uh, Scott, do you mind just introducing yourself before we get going uh, here? Yeah, good to be here with you guys. I'm married to Kristen for about 16 years. We got married in 2001 and got four boys together, so we have a lot of fun in our loud, obnoxious, smelly home. And I've been serving here on staff for the last, since 2006, and I am the director of marriage ministry. So I get to help out with Merge Foundation Group, re-engage kind of all things marriage that we do at Watermark. Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, Scott Scott came to Dallas to go to seminary, and I remember we we had uh, breakfast, and it was at, it wasn't Denny's. Was it Denny's? No, you took me to IHOP. IHOP you took Adam you somewhere special. much nicer. <laughs> yeah, yeah you did. I got IHOP took me and to Adam got a good meal. That's right, yeah. yes. Yeah. So it was in the morning, yeah. to be fair. But I forget and, things that happen a long time. That's right. Yeah, you're not still not better. Uh, but we we had breakfast at IHOP. Mutual friends introduced us, and and Scott really has just been a friend. Uh, been in our one of our small groups. Um, been just kind of a, a co laborer in the marriage ministry, and we kind of built that thing. It was a lot of fun, and so it's been really fun to watch uh, Scott and Kristen grow their family here and and uh, and serve in ministry. So, uh, great topic today. We're talking about trust. And trust is something that uh, is really important here. It's a really important part of our kind of our culture, uh, and we think important for any uh, church uh, that you know is going to be uh, on mission. So, as we get going, um, Scott, do you want to talk about what trust even is uh, before we talk about how to get it and keep it and things like that? Yeah, so trust is really when we believe something is true. Do we trust God's word? Do we trust that something is going to happen? And when it comes to relationship, it really means that you believe that the other person is someone who's honest, that they have good motives, they're trustworthy, they're a person of the word, they, I, I trust they're gonna look out for my best interests. It's uh, in marriage, it says, I'm gonna do what I tell my wife I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, if I tell my kids that I'm gonna throw the ball with them in 30 minutes, they trust that I'm gonna throw the ball with them in 30 minutes. It might be at work, if I tell you I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it. It means I'm somebody who's true to my word and I build up some trust relationally. Good. Okay. So it is um, that, uh, which, you know, or basically it is a belief that something is true or something is as true. Uh, so Adam, why does that even matter? Uh, why, why does that make it on this podcast? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's that annoying thing our dad told us when we were growing up that trust is the foundation of all relationships. And so, you know, when we lied about whatever happened and when we were 13 or 14 and our dad gave us that lecture, we're rolling our eyes. But now that we're older, we're sitting there going, no, this this really is true. That that was a money line. That That's it. So, and if you just think about it, I mean, it's kind of a domino effect. So, if the, the foundation of all relationships is trust and relationships are the foundation of a culture and your culture is going to determine how successful your organization is, then that means that if there is no trust in your organization, your organization is not going to be all that God called it to be, all that God intends for it to be. It's just not going to be successful. And so trust is an enormous deal as we think about our churches that we're leading, any organizations that we're leading. Uh, if we want them to be all that they're intended to be, we've got to have trust. That's right. So the three trusts we talk about uh, around here are spiritual, relational, and professional. And I'm, I assume we didn't come up with that, and I don't know uh, who to credit uh, but we talk about having those and preserving um, those. And it's a really, really big deal here. And I think it's a it's a marker of um, kind of healthy organizations as you peer behind the curtain uh, a lot of times. Yeah, and I think the way, you know, especially when we hire new people here at Watermark, and I'm, I'm sure we're not the only church that does this, but it's that old thing that the college professor would do when you'd show up first day of class and they would say, I just want to let everybody know 
right now you have a, a hundred in this class or you're starting off with an A. So there's only one place to go is down. And the, the professor is just letting you know, hey, you're starting at the top. And that did something to, uh, that was supposed to do something in the students when they heard that. And I think at Watermark, we do that same thing. We let everybody know, hey, when we hire you, we trust you. And we trust you in these three areas. We trust uh, that you're, you know, we, we have spiritual trust with you. We have relational trust with you. We have professional trust with you. And so uh, it's something that I think we communicate a lot around here, just the importance of trust and that letting everybody know they start with it. Yeah, it's really good. So let's let's break these three down uh, kind of one at a time and talk about kind of, kind of tangibly what that looks like, how that plays out, um, you know, in our church or on your teams or wherever it is that you're uh, leading. Let's talk about this first one, um, spiritual trust. What does that mean? Uh, how do you know if you have it? It's probably the most important thing that that is about any one of us. It's just where are we doing? How are we doing spiritually with Jesus? And so it seems crazy that we need to talk about that on a church leader podcast, but it's the foundation of our lives is how are we doing with Christ? Are we doing well with Jesus? And so believing that uh, somebody uh, actually lives out their lives like Jesus is the number one priority in their life. And so that means they're spending time in the word, they're praying, they're doing the spiritual disciplines, not, not to check a box, but to realize that apart from Christ, John 15, 5, I'll do nothing significant. And so the best way for me to continue to grow trust, to build trust, to restore trust is I've got to be intimate with Jesus. And so that spiritual trust is the most important part of our relationship with the Lord and then the way that we build that out with one another. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just, you know, if somebody, especially with what we're doing in leading churches and and trying to shepherd people, if we are not okay with Jesus, it is eventually going to spill over into everything we do. I mean, it'll, it'll eventually catch up with us and be glaring uh, and stop us from being effective. And so, uh, so I think it is, it's a, it's a great place to start and it is such an essential part of where trust is built. It's just making sure that they're, that folks are walking with Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the misconception a lot of times on church staff, those who aren't, um, you know, on the inside, do they just think that that's what pastors do is they drink coffee and read the Bible and then talk about what they read in the Bible. And, uh, you know, which some, some days happens, um, uh, but not, uh, not oftentimes do you have time to slow down. And so uh, you would think that would be the way, um, you know, to kind of verify those things. And you really don't have that luxury to sit around, um, you know, uh, all day and talk about, you know, what, what you're learning in the scriptures and things like that. So I think it's a lot more uh, just small things uh, that you want to be checking in on that. So a couple examples of that. Uh, Todd, in our all staff meeting, so there will be over 200 people uh, in there. And it's not uncommon at all uh, for him just to call on, Two, three folks, you know, maybe a, someone who's been around for a long time and high levels of senior leadership, uh, someone who just got here three months ago and is, uh, you know, answering the phones somewhere. Uh, just call on them and say, hey, why don't you tell us what you learned in God's Word in the last 24 to 48 hours and, um, and just give them the floor. And the expectation is that you should be ready to go. It's not, you don't get a, uh, a tip off, um, you know, 24 hours uh, ahead of time saying, I'm going to call on you. The expectation is everybody in that circle uh, is, is walking with Christ and has a daily kind of vibrant uh, relationship. We don't turn in any sheets. Uh, don't turn in, you know, there's no form stack uh, form for the week. Uh, but, the, but the assumption is you can just kind of ask. And then there should be some things that come out in, in people's lives. That, uh, there should be some scripture that, uh, you know, something I've been thinking about, or here's what I'm trying to obey, or I've been convicted by. Uh, one of my favorites is um, Robert Green, who offices right next to me. Uh, he has got a stack of 10 poker chips, 
And what he does is he moves a poker chip um, every time he prays uh, during the day. And so that's just his way of saying, hey, I, it's funny how I can be busy and not actually pray uh, without ceasing. So I can hear all day long, I can hear these poker chips just clacking, you know? And so I don't have to ask Robert if he's praying and we don't have lots of conversations about if he's praying, but I can, I can hear him. And I, I just know that uh, about Robert. So like you said, Adam, everyone starts at a hundred. Uh, the assumption is you're walking with Christ. We might ask, um, you know, some, some different ways or we might have some mechanisms to do that. But the assumption is everyone is going to be walking with Christ. Yeah, I mean, one of my one of my favorite things to do on our team, and so this is within a smaller team of eight or ten of us, is when we go around the circle and we share what we're learning spiritually. It's never as a gotcha. Let me see who in the room loves Jesus more by sharing what they're learning. But I love sitting in a room with with other men and women who are not in my uh, immediate stage of life, people that are older, people that are younger, and just hearing what they're learning. When when I hear what God is teaching them, it builds trust and and it makes me want to do even more ministry with them. It builds my uh, my trust in what they're doing and their uh, competence in the job that they're going to do. All right, Scott. So John talked about what will happen in our staff meeting sometimes where you know, we'll just call on people and, hey, what are you learning? So I'm sure there's somebody driving around going, well, what if you ask somebody a question and they have nothing <laughs> to answer that with or they're just kind of got that deer in the headlights look? So how, how, do, how, do we, how do we handle that? What does that do to build even in that, to build spiritual trust. Yeah, so the, since we are talking about trust, the, the best way to build trust in that moment, if you don't have an answer, is to give a trustworthy answer. And so specifically, I remember Todd asking one guy on our staff, pointed him out across the circle and said, hey, when's the last time you shared your faith? And the guy said, hey, I just haven't done it in the last couple of weeks. I, I'm not comfortable with it. I know my own testimony, but I don't like having those conversations with someone I don't know. I'm just, it makes me really nervous and in that moment, what that what happened there is that his trust went up with the staff because we knew that he was being honest with us. And so just be honest. Give a trustworthy answer. Don't try to impress uh, and make something up. That's a great way to, to decrease trust, to break trust. Instead, just be honest. That's great. Didn't he go on a tear after that? And would he like share the gospel like every day for a month or something like that? Was that... It was at least once a week. I think it actually it's was once a fun, a, legendary yeah. story. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Multiple right. times a day. Revive the uh, third great awakening. No, I think it was. I think <laughs> it was it, the third great awakening. I think it was once a day, yeah. and uh, which was awesome. And he did, uh, you know, he had he had trust with us. So lots wrapped up into that uh, authenticity. You know, are people? Do you feel like they're kind of like hiding things or not being honest? Um, you know, is their demeanor? Are they? Do they have a genuine uh, love for others? Are they being irritated? Uh, all those kind of things are wrapped up, and you want to. Um, preserve that by what you're doing, and then also just check in uh, on those that uh, that you work with and those you're doing ministry with. So uh, that's a spiritual trust. Uh, let's talk about this uh, this next one: relational trust. What what does that even mean? Relational trust just assumes that people are okay with others. It just that that assumption that uh, people are taking their relationship with other people really serious. So they're working to resolve conflicts. They're uh, trying to make sure that they're communicating clearly. They're owning mistakes and things like that. Hey, Adam, I don't want to take too far of a rabbit trail, but I was with you today and I, I thought you said something really uh, astute. You just said that uh, relationships and specifically how people handle conflict uh, is a real just kind of window into who that person is. Do you yeah, mind it is. It's, that? it's yeah. one of those rare topics in life that really gives you a window into somebody's heart is the way that they're going to handle conflict. So if somebody gets into a conflict with a coworker or with their spouse or with their kids or friends or anybody, 
you really start to see a lot about their life. You see what they believe about God. Uh, you see what they believe about love, what they believe about God's word, what they believe about how the spirit works in their life. It is one of those rare topics in life that gives you a window into somebody's entire life. And so, uh, you know, the way, this is probably the most practical way that relational trust plays out is in the way we handle conflict, especially around here at Watermark. I mean, that's one of the number one ways that we gauge how are you doing at working hard at relationships is, are you working to resolve every single conflict that pops up? Yeah, that's right. And one of the things we talk about is keeping short accounts. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a big, big phrase um, around here. And by that, we mean that, uh, you know, we're just going to assume the three of us that we're we're good uh, with each other, and if not, that we're going to hear about it, and not going to get some kind of weird sideways energy or some snappy, um, you know, um, kind of responses or email with tone or any of that kind of stuff. We just assume we're good, and if we're not, uh, then we're gonna we're gonna hear about it. Yeah, I can give you two specific examples on that. One of them was maybe my first year on the job. There was an email I sent out to a bunch of people on staff, and. Uh, I don't remember what it was about, but one of the admins on a different team, so I'm on the marriage team, this is somebody who worked on the student ministry team, came down to my office after that. After I sent that email and said, hey, when you said that email, what you said was was offensive to me in this way, and I know you didn't intend that. I, I know you and I know your heart, but here's how it felt to me. In that moment, she just built this great relational trust because I had said something that bothered her and she had the willingness to come and talk to me about it. Another example is, uh, you know, just John, you and I, you know, in 2016, there were a couple things relationally that I just did not want to deal with. And so- You're still mad about uh, IHOP, weren't you? I am a little bit. <laughs> uh, and this is the, we are airing it out right no, now. It was bigger than airing, that. Airing <laughs> of grievances. Go, go ahead, the Scott, I'm sorry. Poll. Go ahead, yes. go ahead. Yeah, so I, it was uh, it, it was probably uh, I don't remember. I mean, I really don't even remember what it was. I mean, for, which I think is a, a good sign that we've worked through it and rebuilt trust. But for 2016, it was just this a couple of different things that that really frustrated me or areas that I knew I needed to confess and fell short in. And instead of addressing those with you, I just stuffed them. And in the process, broke trust with you. I think our professional relationship was harmed. I know our personal relationship was harmed. And so uh, very thankfully at the end of the at the end of the year, I think even you, you probably even asked me this question, Scott. It just you said, Scott, it just feels like there's something that you're not telling me. And uh, and in that moment I just had an opportunity to to ask your forgiveness for a couple of things, confess to where I fell short. And in the process, all that did is it built our relationship. Now we we had to rebuild some trust there. But instead of stuffing it, we knew we had to we had to deal with it. We're we're in the trenches together, and we can't let this unresolved conflict prevent us from doing ministry. Yeah, together. you and I, you know, you and I have done ministry together for a long time, and we've had uh, we've had lots of those conversations and initiated by either one of us on pick a topic, and um, and so I, I think one of the things that models, you know. Um, Scott, is it? It's everybody's job. So back to Adam's point, everyone starts with a hundred, and um, so in the you know the the story you shared previously, you know, um, she was helping you and her both get back to a uh, hundred, you know, and and I'm sensing maybe we may in this in this instance it, it's worked the other way, but with you, I'm in, I'm sensing we might not be at a hundred, so I'm going to ask, how can we get to a uh, hundred? And and I will just tell you guys, I mean, so. Uh, one of the roles I play is working with other churches, kind of running our programs and the CLC and things like that. I just get to peer behind the curtain in a lot of churches. And this this right here is killing, 
failing churches. And it's this inability to jump in there, resolve conflict, um, press in, say the last 2%, ask for the last 2%, own their part, um, you know, ask this, the follow-up question, are we, are we really okay um, having the courage to deal with it uh, that's, that's just killing churches? Doctrine is important? Absolutely it is. But I will tell you, I'm probably watching more churches go down internally in flames because of this one right here more than probably any other issue. It's just the relationship uh, component. Yeah, read an interesting book last year by Danny Meyer, the guy that owns a bunch of restaurants up in New York City, and he would talk about, he had this epiphany with customer service that trying to be hospitable in all their restaurants, and uh, and I'm probably going to butcher this a little bit, but the principle will be, will be there, but that customer service or really great hospitality doesn't start with the way you treat the customers. It starts with the way the staff treats one another. I I read that and I was like, that is so good. And uh, we are not going to be able to be as effective in the culture and in our cities and in our neighborhoods as a church as we want to be if we as the, the staff team or the core leaders of the church, if we don't love one another, if we don't trust one another, if we're not working hard at our relationships, it is really going to make us uh, lose some effectiveness uh, in the culture. Yeah, let me ask you a question about about building trust as a team. So, if I'm sports analogy here, if I've got the football start at my own uh, goal line or at the one foot line, and I take the ball 98 yards, how many points do I get? Zero. Zero. What I see and what we see often, and what John, what you just referenced, is churches that take the ball 98 yards, but they won't go all the way. And so that means that they're going to tell 98% of the truth, but there's a couple things that they just don't want to tell. And so we've had this question we've asked, you just referenced it, John, is it's just asking somebody, okay, thank you for sharing. What's the last 2%? That means I'm going to tell you everything I'm thinking, all the things that fall short. That's what really allows us to build that relational trust is when we're willing to go all the way, get the touchdown, uh, score the basket, get the goal, go 100 yards, not just 98 yards. And I think um, that's really good. And it's hard work. Good night. It's hard work. And sometimes it feels like you're, you know, instead of marching the ball forward, you're marching the ball backwards. Uh, but it is worth it. And uh, leader, whatever it is that you lead, if it's a team of two or a team of uh, 200, it is a feather in your cap if uh, your team, as Adam said, is just marked with uh, love care, concern, genuine friendship, because there is a relational trust. So I'm sure you're pulling off some great ministry, but if people would peer in and go, but I would love to be on that team because of the way they, um, the way they care for each other, the relational trust they have, like you, you're winning and you're doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. And so some ways as leaders that we can help our teams with this is, I mean, we can just ask questions. Hey, are you doing okay with everyone? I mean, those, those are great questions to ask one another. Just like we ask each other, hey, what, what have you been reading in God's word with building of the spiritual trust? You can ask those same questions with relational trust. How are you doing with everybody? Are you harboring any, any bitterness? The question to ask me is on how I'm doing with this is, Adam, are you having pretend conversations when you drive home? You know, who were who you thinking about in the morning? <laughs> what conversation did you just win? What like amazing argument did you just have with so-and-so? Then, then you know if I'm having pretend conversations, hey, I've got some relational issues that I need to go and work on. So there's just some, some questions that would just be normal, normal to, to make sure that we're asking these to build this relational trust. Yeah. If you're, uh, so another one is like, who do you not want to be in that meeting or who do you hope is not there? That's not okay. Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes it's, it's not even just a conversation. I think it's even just, um, you know, doing things to build your affections uh, for that person. So praying for that person or going and spending time. And a lot of times we just don't understand it. Someone's wired uh, differently than us. That's a big one. I get 
you know, uh, I just spar with people who are wired differently than me. And if I can just have a meal with them or if I can just have a conversation or uh, do something with them, then generally I understand what makes them tick. And it those weren't character issues as much as they were just personality wiring. And that yeah. can be for them. And, and then we can be on mission uh, together. I don't have to waste my energy trying to manage them or that relationship. I can just uh, I can just know that um, hey, we're on mission together. So awesome. All right. So spiritual trust was this idea that people just assume they're doing okay with Jesus. The relational trust assume they're doing okay with one another. So the last one we'll talk about is this professional trust. So what, what, what do we mean when we say professional trust? Yeah, so that essentially means, am I, am I doing the job, what I got hired to do? Am I coasting in my job or am I rejecting the status quo? Am I working hard to do my job with excellence? I think about you know 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so am I doing my job to the glory of God? Am I doing it with excellence? Am I returning emails? Am I leading the meeting? Am I returning phone calls? Am I uh, going to the meetings I've been invited to? Just all of the things that are involved, all of our jobs are different. And so that list looks different, but you're essentially doing what you got hired to do in your role. Yeah. And the, and the way we talk about it, again, we uh, the way we operate here, which is really a reflection of Todd's leadership, we don't have time cards per se. We don't have you know deliverables for the week. You don't have to wait to go home on Friday until you can show that you punched out all this stuff. Uh, the way Todd talks about it a lot, and I, which I think is really, really helpful, he talks about having an ownership mentality. So when you hire somebody, you want them to work as an owner. Now, an owner, you don't, you never have to come around and say, hey, are you, did you work hard enough today? Did you do the right things? Did, um, did you, did you kind of tie up all the loose ends? Now, uh, an employee, um, a worker, you might. Did, did you really give us uh, the time you said you were going to give us? Did you do the things with excellence that you said um, you were going to do? And so I think even just having kind of that ownership mentality keeps you out of trying to be the police um, on everything. And then there is assumption that you are doing, um, you know, you, you have a hundred, you're doing your job. That needs to be the assumption. And if not, then you can begin, uh, I think, to ask questions and um, say, you know, can you, can you help me understand what it is that you're doing or what you're working on or those kind of things. Uh, but the assumption um, that you need, the culture you want to build um, is that of ownership and a kind of imparting this ownership mentality and treating people and I think even empowering people uh, that way. That will go a long way uh, for this professional trust. Yeah. So some practical ways that we'll see professional trust play out around here. Obviously, uh, the the work product people are cranking out that they're getting stuff done they're getting it done on time and it's at the expectation that you or they're meeting your expectations or exceeding your expectations that's nothing mind blowing there but one of the ones as we were talking about and even just preparing for today that we see a lot of professional trust is um, is built or exhibited is w- the way somebody reacts to a mistake and so uh, are, do they own their mistake so when they do swing and miss which is going to happen it happens to all of us. How do they handle that? Are they placing blame? Are they making excuses? Are they talking about why it's not their fault? Or do they just raise their hand and just go, yep, that was me. Here's exactly what I did wrong. I own that. Yeah, that's right. So if when someone does that, and we were, we were talking about an, an issue where um, with this massive email debacle and and someone just said, hey, that was my fault. I'm so sorry. Turned out it really wasn't. Uh, it was a, the vendor uh, that we use and they made a colossal uh, set of errors. But she just owned it right away. I thought to myself, I never have to wonder if she's making mistakes and not telling us about it. I just assume 
any any balls that are dropped, uh, we know about it, and uh, and it did it did it did build trust. And even the way she kind of handled that, right? I mean, uh, handling crises or mistakes um, could actually uh, do wonders to put everything back up, and sometimes even over a hundred. Yeah, and what I'll see too, and this is the same and same person that you're talking about uh, that's, that's on one of our teams. Uh, even the way that person, when they make a mistake that maybe isn't as public they're still coming and telling us. So that, that whole confession versus getting caught, uh, that builds so much trust when people on my team come to me and go, hey, you may not hear about this, you may hear about this, I wanna let you know we missed here. Uh, this happened, had this conversation, or um, I thought this got done on time, it didn't get done on time, I just wanna let you know, that builds so much professional trust when they do that. Yeah, I'm thinking about people that, that just take initiative. If they, if they see an area where they fall short, they're willing to do, whatever they, they need to do to build up their expertise. And so I work in marriage ministry. I better be a subject matter expert on marriage, divorce, remarriage, uh, cohabitation, what is marriage, et cetera. And so I better be someone who's willing to to do the work, to take the initiative to find out where I need to grow. And so that just builds some professional trust when we are humble and where we're willing to learn and realize where we fall short and where we need to, to grow in expertise. So that was professional trust. La- last thought um, on that one. H- here's just a tell. Do you need uh, to be uh, on the CC line of all the communication um, with your team or with specific people or you know analogous? Do you need to be in every meeting uh, that they lead or are a part of because you're afraid of what they're going to say? So if, if that is the case you've probably got a professional trust uh, problem. And I would just go ahead and address it and find a redemptive path to get to the place where you could be on the CC line or not. And and people might need to be for legitimate reasons, but um, you know, it's just that, uh, do I need to know every single thing that person's doing? I probably don't trust them. Um, and I think you could figure out a way to get them to that place uh, where you could. And uh, and in fact, rather than wonder, what are they messing up? You know, wonder uh, where are they moving, you know, significant balls um, and, and doing uh, really significant, significant work. All right. So to summarize those uh, three different ways, three different components of trust or spiritual trust, just assuming that people are okay with Jesus, relational trust, assuming that they're working hard at, at keeping the relationships okay with other people. And then this idea of professional trust, that they're working hard at their job. So Scott, you got any final thoughts? Yeah. One final thought is just that you know, if you, you want to grow your marriage relationship, you spend time together. If you want to grow your relationship with your kids, you spend time with your kids. And another way to build that trust, whether it is broken or you want to build it and just strengthen it from the beginning is to spend time with your coworkers. And so get in the trenches together, work hard together, play together. And so that might mean grabbing meals together as a team, having fun with one another. All of those things will build that foundation of trust, both spiritually, relationally, and professionally. There you go. So some practical things for leaders. Here, here's just, if you want to have a great meeting, here's just three questions I think you could take into your next team meeting is just these three components of trust. So you can get your get your team together, get your staff together, and just everybody go around, hey, how are you doing with Jesus? And just listen, let everybody talk and just listen. Just listen to what they're saying. Uh, the second one would be, hey, how, do you, how does everybody feel like they're doing with one another? Do we feel like our relationships are as strong as they, as they should be or could be? And then that last question with professional trust is, hey, is everybody working hard? Do you guys feel like you are coasting right now 
or are you rejecting the status quo and continuing to push things forward? I think you asked those three questions. My guess is you got a great meeting. There's going to be some tension in there, and uh, and there's going to be some things where you got to really be clear with one another. But I think you could get some great information from everybody as a leader. Yeah, it's probably going to create some follow up meetings. Is probably what's going to happen. Yeah. But you will create the culture uh, that people love being on mission in, and uh, it'll be worth it. All right. If you have any questions or comments about today's episode, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.